Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's start with a, um, a, a prayer for, for fathers. If, if you're next to a dad today, I would ask that you, you put your hand on him as we pray. Uh, if your dad's not here uh, or he has passed, I'd invite you to, to put your hand over your heart as, uh, as you remember him. And let, let's give thanks to God for our dad. So if you're next to one, hand on him. If not, you got this. And let's pray. Lord, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for our dad, for the times it was dad who was there for us. For it was dad who listened, dad who picked us up, dad who, who fixed it. Uh, for the times we laughed, for the times we played, for the times that dad helped us dream and helped us along life's way, gave us confidence. For the way that dad somehow just knew what to say and how to say it. Even if that advice was maddening at the time, it always seemed to be right, Lord. And we thank you for him, for his strong love. And really for the times that he spoke words of truth to us about who you are and who we are in you, Lord Jesus, and how he showed us to follow you. So Lord, bless our dad. Care for him, give him strength, give him joy. Fill him with your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said at the beginning, I am a fan of Father's Day been a fan for about 13 years now. That's how long I've been a father. A couple years ago, got my second child, which rules double the gifts. And I have grown accustomed to the phrase, it's Father's Day. For example, hey honey, will you take the trash out? Ooh, it's Father's Day. <laughs> hey dad, let's watch a show. You got it, Clint Eastwood Western Marathons. It is, sorry Bluey, uh, Doy Bluey is a children's show. You'd love it. Check it out. <laughs> hey, man, it's your friend. Will you take me to the airport? I want to, but it's Father's Day. It's Father's Day, son. Hand me a Capri Sun, and so on. But there is one scenario where this line, it's Father's Day, just simply won't work. Tonight, if there is a loud, strange noise outside my house, I do not get to look at my honey and say, honey, check it out. It's Father's Day. <laughs> that falls to me. Strange noise, dads check it out. And we don't just go outside and check it out with our iPhone flashlight. We grab a bat and we wield that bad boy like we are King Arthur ready to do some damage. So regardless of what is said about Father's Day, what is written in stone, a father need not do anything on his day. If you hear a loud noise, well that rule, that law doesn't apply. Let's dive in. Bible's out, that's it. Remember I told you 17 minutes, you didn't laugh, you only got one. Bible's out. Matthew's chapter 9 and 10. It's in your bulletin. If you forgot to bring your Bible today, need it instead. But here's where it starts in 35. Jesus went through all the towns, villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news, healing every disease and sickness. Sees the crowds. He has compassion on them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. There's a lot that sticks out here. I love the word every, healing every disease and sickness. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, the one that says repent, for God has come. Repent meaning turn away from what you have been doing and turn towards God, turn towards doing what is right in his eyes. For the kingdom has come and the time is now. And two here we see the, we see the heart of Jesus. One of compassion, one of helping, one of being present, one of stopping and doing the work. A heart that is concerned a heart that is caring and hands willing to get in and do the work 
need it. And then it gets into the next part. 37 to 38. Harvest is plenty, workers are few. Ask for more. And then into chapter 10. Where we see all the names of the disciples. And I want to say something here as we look back at verses 37 and 38 right here. I think for too many years, Christians have said this prayer, but not done anything about it. Too many Christians have heard the story and not lived the story. Heard the story of God's mercy, heard the story of God's love, heard how God is calling us to follow, to go, to be, and have said, yeah, I agree with that. I believe in that. But we haven't let it change our lives. And I don't know, maybe we just thought, well, someone else is going to eventually do it. This isn't me he's talking about here. He's talking about those 12 guys or maybe somebody else, but not me. I'm not supposed to be the one that's going to go out and the timing's not right for me. I'm not right, actually. I'm not good at that kind of thing, that working in the fields, that working for Jesus. I'm not qualified. I don't have the right skills. Believe me, I know myself and I know what I can do and what I shouldn't do. And that, being called to go to the harvest, that's not something you want me to do. You really don't want me. And when we are faced with this choice, with being asked... Too many times we look down, we wait for someone else to volunteer, we say some other time, not today. Today it's, today it's not right. And each one of us is given a choice, a choice to answer this call. And I think it starts with this question of what is the relationship between what you believe and what you do with what you believe. And that can only be answered when you've had worked out on the inside before what you can do on the outside. Asking yourself, will I allow God to love me and use me in my weakness? Will I allow God to love me and use me at my worst? Will I allow God to Give me mercy. Will I trust him? Will I have faith in his mercy? Will I have faith in his love even when I know that I am not lovable? Will I believe this personal calling that he has given me? And you do know, don't you, that God knows you. He knows exactly who you are. And He is calling you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your struggles. Because He's the one who's made you. He's the one who has formed you. He is the one who is going to use the good and the bad that has happened to you for His glory and for His purpose. It truly is God's mercy and his calling for you, that is that thing that bridges the gap between this is something that God wants for the world 
And this is something that God wants for you personally. God wants workers for the harvest in the world, and He wants you to be that. That's how it works. God has come for the whole world. He has come for all sinners. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And that means that He died so that my sin would be forgiven. Your sin would be forgiven. He died for the whole world, and He died for you. It's for all, and it's for you. The relationship between believing and doing for all and personal. We've heard this story before. It's easy to look at this story and think, well, this is about 12 men, not us. We can keep it distance from us. This is a story for someone else and about someone else. But I think this story is a reminder today that God's call is bigger than just these 12. And that His call is bigger than the fears and the excuses that each one of us have that hold us back. And we have a choice here in the home stretch, in a time where life is difficult, where the world is in chaos. And for some of us, this might be the worst moment in our lives of what we are going through right now. And here the Lord is asking for workers in His harvest. And that choice of will I embrace my faith, have that faith that acts, that moves, that working faith, and not only believe and acknowledge that this is true, but to devote our lives to answering the call of Jesus, devoting our lives to prayer, to faith in God, towards loving others. Will I do it? The relationship between what I believe and what I do is that the first must radically change our lives. And it looks like Scripture shows us that it starts with having a name and showing up. Really, it's that simple. Have a name and show up. Have you ever thought, why do they record these names? Is it so people would know them? Maybe at its most basic, right? So that everyone would know who the 12 were. But the deeper answer is that we have 12 men here are recorded, but all over the Bible you see names. Names of people being thanked, names of people who were part of a family, names of people who did something or had something happen to them. In one of my favorite books of the Old Testament, there are people's names written down for this, for moving rocks. They weren't celebrities or world-renowned surgeons or Nobel Peace Prize winners. They were ordinary men and women stacking rocks into a wall in the book of Nehemiah. And the answer I think to, well, why is there names written in the Bible from the disciples to the ones who were just picking up stones is because by faith they were doing the work God has called them to do. And maybe you've heard all this today and wonder, what have you been called to do? You wonder, what should I be doing? What am I supposed to then invest my time in? You say, Lord Jesus, that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few and we need to send out some workers. And Nehemiah and with the 12 right here, it started right where they were. 
doing the hard work that was directly in front of them. Some have been called to heal. Some have been called to speak. Some have been called to lift rocks. Some have been called to heal a broken relationship in their family. Some have been called to bring their family to church. Some of us have been called to change our community and to get involved. Some of us have been called to start praying at the meals, to take that role. Some of us have been called to lead the devotion in the home. Some of us have been called to figure out how we as a family are going to read and dedicate ourselves to this word. Some of us have been called to become mentors and teachers. Some of us have been called to volunteer on a church board. Some of us have been called to sit with people in the hospital. Some of us have been called to visit the homebound. And we could go on and on. But the work is right in front of you. And the voice of God is calling you. Because more often than not, that is our calling in life, to do the work that is in front of us and to do it faithfully for the glory of God. To show up and find the one thing. You don't have to do everything, but to find the one thing. And I'll close with this about your name. In the great commission of Matthew, the great calling and sending that comes at the last chapter there, Jesus says, Go, or really, as you are going, as you are living, walking, breathing, doing what you do, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He who gave his life for us gives his name to us in our baptism. He who gives his life for us also gives us his name. He doesn't just call you. He first, and we must remember this and cling to this, he puts his name on you. And when he puts his name on you, he gives you everything you need for where he is sending you. Grace, mercy, strength, joy, hope, perseverance. And he changes you from a mere human to a partner to a child who shares the message of the family. Changes you to love in His name. Because in Jesus Christ, each one of us has become sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, conquerors, heirs, and so many other things, so much more. And because of Jesus, And what he has done for us and put his name on us. We are new creations who reflect his name, his promise. And live out now his purpose in our lives. Bearing, proclaiming, praising, living in the name of Jesus. A name that no matter where it goes brings hope and joy and life. Something that just on our own we do not have, but in Him is ours. Now our names may not be written in the Bible, but they are etched in the very hand of God Himself so that when He looks down, He sees your name, smiles, and says, this one right here is mine, and says, there is much to do for this one, and I am sending this one out. Amen.